Well, when you tune into NBC on Sunday night or Peacock, you will see the Philadelphia Eagles decked out in their Kelly Green uniforms as they take on the Miami Dolphins. It is a beautiful look. So many teams have alternate uniforms that are better, frankly, than their primary uniforms. And the old Kelly Green for the Eagles, in my opinion, far better than what they currently wear now. We will see that on Sunday night. They last wore Kelly Green in 2010 against the Packers. They lost 27-20 at home. Hopefully they'll have better luck this week. Hopefully they'll have better luck than the Bucks did in their creamsicles. Better luck than the Vikings did with their Bud Grant throwback jerseys week one against the Bucks. We'll see if the Eagles get it done, and we'll talk about that game now. Peter, I want to start with a very interesting wrinkle as we see the 5-1 and one Dolphins and 5-1 and one Eagles get ready. Vic Fangio, the Miami defensive coordinator, worked with the Eagles as a consultant last year. The Eagles learned some stuff about Fangio. Fangio learned some stuff about the Eagles. Here's Nick Sirianni from earlier in the week talking about working directly with Fangio in 2022. We didn't give him all the secrets. I asked him for his help. He was giving us information and not, us not giving him information. No, he, you know, obviously when he was around last year, um, you know, at the, you know, during the end of the season, um, that was, you know, it was just a unique opportunity to have a guy help us um, look at some different things, the way a defense is, a defensive coach's perspective on it. And, um, you know, and, and then Jonathan being able to bounce some things off of him. And so, and me being able to bounce some things off him as a head coach. So I really value uh, the, the relationship that I was able to develop uh, with, with Coach Fangio. Uh, great person, um, great football mind. Uh, we know, you know, so we know we're going to have our hands full um, with, with any Vic Fangio coach defense, uh, which we have obviously this week. Huge Phillies fan. I'm hoping that he's a little distracted. Um, but really good person really good coach, um, value the friendship that we have uh, in, the, in the time that we spent together last year. You know, Fangio himself said yesterday, Peter, that if there's any advantage, it's theirs for the time that he consulted, that they picked up more from him than he picked up from them, and that meshes with what Sirianni said. It's not like Sirianni opened the vault and told him everything that he's got going on and all of his deepest, darkest secrets. This is them using Fangio's knowledge and his experience to enhance their Super Bowl run last year. So I, I tend to agree with Fangio. Now, he probably had his eyes and ears open all the time, but they probably got more from him than he got from them. I think he did, Mike, but, um, you know, I, I know somebody who has studied this Vic Fangio defense very, very closely uh, over the years, and I remember talking to this coach in training camp on my training camp tour and just said, you know, he had said to me, he goes, wait until Miami's defense gets to about mid-season because this is going to be a difficult defense for a lot of guys to learn. And Mike, I don't remember last week when we talk about, you're not going to hear Jamar Chase talk about, you know, the, um, uh, Devin Witherspoon and and DK Metcalf after the game, and we had a good laugh about that because a lot of times what is a story on Wednesday or Thursday, nobody even remembers it at the end of the game. And I doubt sincerely that either side at the end of this game at midnight Sunday night is going to be saying, 
Yep. Well, when Vic was here, the Eagles are not going to say, you know, even privately, when Vic was here, we learned about this, and that helped us win this game today. And I don't think Fangio would say anything similar. But I do think there's one thing about Vic Fangio entering this game that really encourages me if I am a fan of the Miami Dolphins. You know, they had a couple of rough days early on, you know, like in the first month of the season. They went out and Justin Herbert tore them up in the first game of the year. And then, obviously, the Bills put up 48 on them uh, in week four or five, whatever that was. But look at what's happened in the last two weeks. And again, nobody's going to say the Giants and Carolina are great offenses. I absolutely, totally get that. But against the Giants in Carolina, they've held both of them under 300 yards. They've been extremely efficient, you know, on third downs and you know, third down conversions. And to me, I look at this Miami team as a team that their guys are getting it with Vic Fangio and they're getting it as they just get into a very, very important part of their schedule starting Sunday night uh, in South Philly. And it's a critical game for Jalen Hurts. He had a very bad day against the Jets. Three interceptions, including the one that Tony Adams returned for what ultimately was the go-ahead and game-winning touchdown. How will he bounce back? Do you think he will bounce back against the Vic Fangio defense? The thing that bothered me about Jalen Hurts last week, Mike. And, you know, I wish we had the, the video to show the, the you know, uh, the viewers. But there's a little short video at the end of the game after he threw that interception. And first of all, his mechanics on that interception were terrible. You saw how he threw off his back foot and that end zone shot which I wonder if we could show it again, Courtney, because that end zone shot speaks volumes. Everybody was crediting Jeff Albrecht, the defensive coordinator after the game, and good, Jeff Albrecht, Robert Sala, that staff deserves credit. But watch the end zone shot right here, and you tell me, what in the world is Jalen Hurts doing throwing that ball? I mean, it was just an awful decision. He threw it way too late, and there was not enough of a window there to complete that throw 20 or 23 yards down the field. But what I was going to talk about is that right after that, you know, the TV cameras focused in on uh, on Jalen Hurts on the sidelines. He wasn't. He was going to get another shot because they were going to let him score. Okay, you saw that, and everybody had to know that they were going to let him score. So he's going to get another shot. He's not talking to anybody. He's not looking at the tablet. He's, He's staring into space. And, you know, even as they're getting ready, they showed him again. They showed him twice. Even as they're getting ready to go back on the field, he's not engaged with anybody. And the last series of the game looked like that. The Eagles went four and out on that last series. And I'm just, I I don't know any other word to say other than that Jalen Hurts just looked 
almost like quasi defeated by the Jets, by by their pressure and by what they did on defense in that game. Because you expect a quarterback to say, okay, guys, we got one more. We got one more. Let's go. And it's almost like he's saying, I have no idea what to do right now. And that was bothersome to me because it's totally uncharacteristic of this incredible worker, great teammate, everything. I just thought it was really a different look out of Jalen Hurts than we've seen. Well, and the reality is he came up against a really, really good defense that had answers for everything he was doing. And, you know, one of the realities of the offseason following Hurts' breakout performance in 2022, the teams that have the Eagles on the schedule have extra film, extra time, extra incentive to come up with ways to counter the things that Hurts has done so well or did so well a year ago. And we've seen, even though they're 5-1, and one, we've seen a dip from the Eagles this year. They're not the same dominant team they were when they were winning and winning and winning last year. Good news for the Eagles. Lane Johnson, who left Sunday's game early with an ankle injury, he's back at practice, limited participant on Thursday. Devontae Smith, who didn't practice Wednesday with a hamstring injury, he was back on on a limited basis. They need both of those guys. And defensively, Peter, we'll flip it over there. Jalen Carter, who's already become one of the best defensive linemen in all of football, he didn't play on Sunday, limited each of the last two days with that ankle injury. You know, that's the real test here. Can this Eagles defense take enough steam out of the new age greatest show on turf, which is a hybrid of the Rams offense of 22 years ago, plus the Showtime Lakers? Can the Eagles just slow them down enough so they can muster enough points to outscore them? That's really the question. I don't know. As good as that Eagles defense is, I'm not convinced they can slow them all the way down. I don't know who's slowing down this team right now, Mike. You know what, to me, is so impressive? And this is a this is going to sound strange, but we've seen so many plays out of the Miami Dolphins this year that you know how when coaches talk about, when someone says to them, uh, boy, where did you get that play? Where did you get that that weird play you called at work for the 72-yard touchdown? Where, uh, Well, you know, we look at every play in the NFL. We look at explosive plays. There are no new ideas in the NFL. We have just studied and blah, 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 blah. I have seen a bunch of plays this year that have no, I don't think, have no origin story other than in Mike McDaniel's head. You know, I, 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 I'm seriously thinking that Mike McDaniel's is not sitting there at, 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 you know, 11 o'clock at night on a Wednesday just saying, hey, well, let me look at all the, uh, you know, long touchdowns from last week just to see if I can get any ideas. I think he thinks of this stuff himself. And he trusts himself to be thinking of this, which is unlike an awful lot of coaches, I think, in recent NFL history. And it should be a great game on Sunday night. We hope it'll be a great game because we want as many of you out there to watch it and enjoy it and take it all the way down to the wire. I I don't feel real strongly about this one, Peter. I picked the Eagles to win by a point, which kind of 
allows me to have it both ways. Eagles win, Dolphins cover. Do you have a lean one way or the other on on who you like on Sunday night? At halftime of the game, of the Jets-Eagles game, I would have said Philly will figure a way to win. And I think there's a very good chance they will figure a way to win this game. Uh, But the way that game ended last week planted some seeds of doubt in my brain, you know, about the Eagles. Now, maybe that's, uh, maybe it's all going to go away. There's certainly, I think, I still think Jalen Hurts is easily, clearly, if I were picking him right now, top five quarterback in the NFL, easily. And, and, and in my opinion, this is an important game for him. He's got to get it back. You can't be seven touchdowns, seven interceptions after six games and be great and have a great offense. You can't be that way. So this is a really important game, I think, for Jalen Hurts. I would pick Miami because even though the crowd is going to be a factor and, and it's hard to go on the road and the last time they had a big road game, they went three and out four times in a row and lost in Buffalo by 28. So, you know, that could happen again. Who knows? But I just think Miami right now, I trust a little more than I trust Philly. Should be a great one Sunday night. Great one late afternoon, Chargers Chiefs. Could we see yet another skill from Patrick Mahomes on Sunday? All that and more when PFT Live continues right after this. Who's the, the backup punter? <laughs> the backup punter. Yeah, we had a plan. We had a plan, and believe it or not, uh, 15's our backup punter. He can do it. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 does, he shows me all the time. You know, he wants, he wants to get a coat. You know, he's out there, boom, on Saturdays, hitting punts. So he can do it all, that guy. It's unbelievable. Dave Tobe, the chief special teams coordinator. Punter's been banged up. Patrick Mahomes would be the backup. And we've seen Randall Cunningham, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, shotgun formation with the quick kick. So Mahomes actually averaged 37.8 yards per punt in high school with 29 different punts, Peter. So uh, yet another thing that Patrick Mahomes can do. There probably is nothing athletically that he can't do. He could probably make field goals if he had to. You know, I'm thinking back now when when Bill Belichick – as a nod to his love of football history, had Doug Flutie drop kick uh, a, a ball during a game, during a game that actually counted, by the way. And so I, I bet Andy Reid, who probably can't rival Bill Belichick in his love of football history, but he loves football history. I will bet that at one at some point, even if it's just for fun, late in a game, we'll let Patrick Mahomes punt. I I mean, why not? And, and, and look, especially if it is a, a game that is out of reach either way. uh, I I mean, there's absolutely no way that the defense is going to come in and, and run into Patrick Mahomes or, or do something like that. I mean, to me, I think it'd just be a great thing to put on his Hall of Fame reel that when you're showing three minutes of highlights in Canton in 2043, 
at you know in at Mahomes induction, uh, where you and I will both be there with walkers. When when they're when they're showing that, <laughs> how great would it be? How great would it be if they showed one of the plays was Patrick Mahomes punting a fifty-three yard punt against the Chargers in a, in the swirling winds of December one year. That's a depressing thought. I hope I don't have a walker at 78, but who knows? I hope I don't have a walker at 68. (laughs) I'll find out in 10 years. Um, Now, Mahomes would prefer not to punt at all. He'd prefer that they score a touchdown every time they have the ball. Their offense has been a little sluggish this year. Here he is from earlier this week on where the Kansas City offense needs to improve. Yeah, I think it's just it's little stuff. Um, and I said it after the game, and even watching the film, you see it even more. It's it's just the little stuff that we're not executing at a high enough level, and it's not everybody, and it's different people every single play, including myself. Um, and so in this league, in order to, to have these sustained drives and score touchdowns, get in the red zone and score against good defenses, you have to execute everybody, coaches included. And I think that's, that's something that we have to continue to get better and better at. And I think if we start executing at a high enough level, we have the talent um, and we have the play calls. So let's just continue to get better and better. Yeah, look, I know it worked last year without – Tyreek Hill, but they just need somebody other than Travis Kelsey. They have Nicole Hardman back. Who knows how long it's going to take for him to get back up to speed and if he's going to make the difference or trying to will Kadarius Toney into becoming the number one receiver. That's not working. They're waiting for others, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice. It's just, you know, without Mahomes, this team, who knows where they would be. So, fill in the blank. Grab bag. First topic. Chiefs offense will what, Peter, against the Chargers on Sunday? Have enough to win, but still not be over the top. And I think the encouraging thing is that they're going to be playing a defense uh, that you can score on. And and look, uh, the Chargers played well against the Dallas offense. No question about it. And they may be turning a corner, but it's been a pretty meh offense or vet meh defense so far this year. So... I think if I were trying to forecast this game, I would say it'll still be stop and start, but Kansas City's going to have enough to win. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And look, the Chargers, the only team in the AFC West that repeatedly gives the Chiefs fits, should be a great late afternoon game. Chiefs have won five in a row after that clunker week one at home against the Lions. Offense still isn't where it needs to be. And the scary part is they're winning games while the offense isn't where it needs to be. It'll eventually get, we assume, where it needs to be. And all these wins now just put them on a higher plateau, on a higher, what's the word I'm looking for? Pedestal. I knew it started with a P. A higher pedestal as they hit the stretch run and yet again are a factor when we get deep into the postseason. All right. A couple of quarterbacks who are currently embattled. We're going to put two games together on this one. And the question is, which one is more likely to be benched? Patriots quarterback Michael McCorkle-Jones against the Bills, where the Patriots desperately need a win on Sunday, or Desmond Ritter when the Falcons go to Tampa Bay. Which one's more likely to get yanked? Both. <laughs> I don't know, Mike. I mean, they, <laughs> they both of them, both of them des- deserve to get yanked. And I think if Bill Belichick felt he had a comfortable option, you know, if he felt that Malik Cunningham was ready, he'd he'd play him. Uh, and I also think that if uh, if if Arthur Smith didn't want to make a uh, 
sort of a seismic move at quarterback at this point of his season, I think he would probably make one too. But if you're asking me for one, I would say uh, I'd say Desmond Ritter. You, you, you know, it's one thing to sit here and say that, oh my God, the absolute pain that Arthur Smith was in watching that game, that camera shot after camera shot showed in that game uh, with the awful throws that, that uh, Desmond Ritter was making. My gut feeling is another few bad series and uh, he's likely, I shouldn't say likely, but my feeling is he's going to be very tempted to go to Taylor Heineke in this game this weekend. You know, at first blush, I was thinking Mac Jones because he has been removed from a couple of recent games, but that was more of a throw in the towel, it's over. It's not really a benching. He hasn't been benched. He was supposedly on a short leash last week against the Raiders, and he didn't play well, and he still wasn't removed. I think it all comes down to how you feel about the number two guy. They don't have someone on the Patriots, and this is a flaw of Bill Belichick, the de facto GM, to not have an acceptable backup quarterback that you feel good about when Mac Jones is playing as poorly as he has, and he has played poorly. Flip it around to the Falcons. Taylor Heineke, he's shown he can get it done, and I'd love to put him out there on the field in Tampa Bay. Remember he had that great game against the Bucs in the playoffs when he was with Washington. He plays with a reckless abandon. He brings excitement to an offense, and I know there's a certain amount of effort by the Falcons to make Desmond Ritter, to kind of will him into a good quarterback. They love his intangibles. They're trying to get him to play from a tangible standpoint, all the throws, all the things that you need to do to move an offense and score points. It's just not there. So uh, it's starting to fall apart for the Falcons a little bit, and this would be an opportunity to shake things up and maybe steal a win from the Bucks if they make the move at the right time. All right. Time to take your pick on the underdog of the week. There's only a couple I like this week. There were a lot I liked last week, and I was only right about a couple of them. Who do you like this week, Peter? Of all the teams that are on the wrong side of the spread, who do you like to win? And there's the full, for anyone watching, there's the full breakdown of all the spreads this week, courtesy of the DraftKings Sportsbook. I do want to comment on one spread. Not that I'm going to pick this as the game, but... Aiden O'Connell will start a game in the National Football League this weekend on the road and his team will be favored. And I just want to tell you that (laughs) there's a lot of surprising things about the NFL year in and year out. But I have to say, that one might just have reached up and slapped me right in the face. (laughs) Because it's rather surprising if you say that to me. Okay, Mike, here's the one I'm going to take. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions. And I'm going to take the Detroit Lions because right now, I was thinking about this this week. What do they do poorly? Right now, what do they do poorly? Nothing. There's nothing. You can't say this about any team in football. You know, and look, you'd say, well, what about the 49ers? Well, I shouldn't say the 49ers do something poorly, but I can say that they're starting to get beat up and the injury bug could really start to 
to bug them. But I mean, what sort of disadvantage right now do the Lions have? The answer is none. And I look at at Baltimore and, you know, fine record, everything like that, but their offense is clunky. And it's not finishing drives. It's, I don't know what the numbers say about it, but they're not good. And particularly in the second half of the last two games, they've really been an iffy offense. So I like Detroit to go to go in, in Baltimore, to, into Baltimore and win that game. Detroit is one of the teams that I've picked to win straight up. Chris Sims and I disagree on that one. You can find the full Joint Mega Picks podcast at YouTube on the NFL on NBC page. I'm going to go with the only other underdog I like to win straight up this week. There's others I like to cover, like the Dolphins. I think they will cover. I like the Giants getting two and a half at home against Washington, simply because I'm going to give the Giants the same benefit of the doubt that I gave the Jets when they lost on Sunday Night Football but seemed to turn a corner against the Chiefs. The Giants lost, but it feels like they turned a corner, and it feels like they can start putting a little something together and they have an opponent coming to town in the commanders that they're going to play close. They're going to play tough. And uh, I think the giants will win that game. I think they'll build on what they did last week. Saquon Barkley back, maybe Daniel Jones back, build on what they did in Buffalo, use that as a positive and try to beat a division rival. All right. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 in pocket, $200 in bonus bets instantly, plus all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLIVE when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. When we return, more on that big showdown in Baltimore between the Lions and the Ravens. PFT Live back right after this. Come on, hurry up. Hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> so how did, this, how did this bet come up? You thought you were in... I mean, you told yeah. us last week they're going to whoop that yeah, ass. Yeah, so we don't do bets in this facility. We made an agreement. Man, it was outside the facility, so I called J.O., FaceTimed him. Um, and he said, you know, if SC wins, he has to be Thomas George. And I said, okay. And he said, if Notre Dame wins, I got to be the, I don't know what this call. I don't know what to call this. Um, whatever the screen thing is. I said, sure. So, yeah, we made an agreement outside the facility. Um, yeah, that's that. How do you feel like you're looking at it? Uh, I mean, I don't know, like, this material is trash. Like, everything about this is trash, but it is what it is. Boy, you look good. <laughs> Lions receiver Amon Ross saying, I like how we said the agreement. Not a bet. Agreement. Yeah. Of all teams in the NFL, the Lions know what the consequences are for betting on anything. Yeah. So it was an agreement with Julian O'Quara. Notre Dame beat USC. Amon Ross St. Brown had to wear that ridiculous thing. I wore this ridiculous thing for you. I like how he said, we did this outside the facility. <laughs> we made this, we made this, whatever it's called. I don't think he even called it a bet, whatever it is. No, agreement. Yeah, we, agreement. We, we did this outside the facility. Yeah, the agreement. I mean, but, hey, all's fair in love and Irish. And I'll tell you, Mike, I don't watch much college football at all. But I found myself last Saturday night working in my office here in Brooklyn. And I had the game on. And I said, oh, my God. 
Notre Dame looks like the 76 Steelers out here with that defense. And Caleb Williams is absolutely sabotaging his draft stock. And, of course, I'm exaggerating. He's going to be a very high pick, if not the first overall pick, if he chooses to come out next year. But, man, that was a bad day for Caleb Williams. Notre Dame rolling, the Lions rolling. They have won four straight games, all by 14 or more points. Here's Jared Goff, Lions quarterback, on the reality that the Lions are tied for the best record in the NFL through six weeks. Yeah, it, we've played well for six weeks. Um, and I think, you know, it's it's hard to play well. Excuse me. It's hard to play well all year. That's our goal. You know, at some point, excuse me, sorry, we're going to hit, you know, some sort of adversity and have to fight through that. Right now we're playing well. It's four in a row for us. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, it's it's it certainly is. And um, we know who we are. We know, I've said it a million times, we, we feel like we can go beat anyone right now. And, um, yeah, we're, we feel pretty good. Big test, though, at Baltimore with the Ravens at 4-2. and two. Uh, The Lions are looking to start 6-1 and one for the first time since 1956, and it would be the perfect bookend last year, Peter, when they were 1-6. Votes of confidence were coming for Coach Dan Campbell. It felt like we'd seen this movie in Detroit many times before, and they were moving toward their latest reset button. Something clicked. Something happened. The Lions started winning. They've carried it into this year. I was skeptical. I needed to see it. I needed to see how they would do as a dog at the front of the pack instead of a a perennial we're chasing everyone team. They've done it, and I believe in them on Sunday, as do you. We were talking about that earlier. We both like the Lions to win this game. No disrespect to the Ravens, but the Lions have reached a level where when they show up, you are in trouble because they have a great team on both sides of the ball this year. So, Mike, I fool around a little bit this week because I just think the Lions have been highly, highly impressive. So I was doing some figuring, and so over, as of Sunday, they will, be, they will have played a complete season since last Halloween, since basically last November 1st. They, Sunday is their 17th regular season game since then. There's two things to tell you. Number one, that they're 13-3 and three in their last 16 games. That's number one. And number two, among all regular quarterbacks who have been starting since last November 1st, I'll give you the top three in passer rating over that 16-game span. Number one, Tuatonga Valoa. Number two, Jared Goff, number three, Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, boy, I don't know about Goff. I don't know about the Lions. I don't know. 16 games is not three games. 16 games is a long time. And so I think it's time that everybody, you know, drop their little doubter's hat or whatever mixed metaphor I'm trying to say, but that everybody just basically starts saying, you look at the Lions and tell me right now, tell me, with the exception maybe of health in the running game, okay, of which there is some question now, okay? But 
anything else you tell me, what do you doubt about the Lions? I mean, I think they're going to be in every game they play the rest of the way. They do have three running backs on the injury report this week. Jameer Gibbs has returned to practice. David Montgomery is expected to miss the game with a rib injury he suffered against the Buccaneers. We showed the clips a moment ago, the Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown, the Jamison Williams touchdown. Peter, when you bring Williams into the mix, and he's the guy that was suspended initially six games, ultimately four games for betting on another sport at the team facility. That's what prompted all the the careful language that Amon Ross St. Brown was deliberately using, also tongue-in-cheek. But Williams has the chance to be a superstar. He has the chance to be take the top off the defense, stretch the field, the way that he ran the route, the way he adjusted the ball, throw him the ball. Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions, surely is scheming ways to get the ball to him down the field, open up the rest of the offense. Won't matter who the running back is. Because there's going to be so many guys away from the line of scrimmage. Just give them a little hole. We know how it is with running backs. It's one of the reasons why they can't get paid. There's so many guys out there that can do it. Plug a guy in. He'll get you five, six yards of carry if Williams can open up that offense. So the point is, for as good as they've been, now that Williams is back and we're seeing what he can do, they're going to be even better, Peter. And look, you if you look at what the Lions do well, okay, I think one of the things they have added to what they do well this year is they rush around the edge on a competitive basis with any team in football. And I'm not saying Aiden Hutchinson is Miles Garrett or Micah Parsons right now, but Mike, he's close. TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, uh, you know, Micah Parsons, I think you've got to, Nick Bosa, you've got to start thinking of Aiden Hutchinson right now and that defensive front as being scary enough so that, look, I think if I'm the Ravens, you know, if I'm Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, I am probably having more design runs in this game for Lamar Jackson than I've had all year because I know that for, if, if I'm Todd Munkin, I know that to succeed in this game, we're going to need 10 plays with Lamar Jackson's legs. And uh, should be a great game because both teams, playoff contenders, Super Bowl contenders, frankly, <clears throat> if they can get it figured out and keep it on path. The Lions have it figured out. The Ravens trying to get there. Great game in the early window. Feels like it shouldn't be an early window game. That makes it an even better game at 1 o'clock Eastern on Sunday. All right, the Raiders have won their last two games, but star receiver Devontae Adams is not happy. We'll hear from him next on PFT Live. Ken Jennings, I always dreamed about getting this tweet, but I thought it would be about a starting quarterback controversy. Oh, <laughs> that's, good. that's from... Fake Polder on Twitter. Sheesh, Ken Jennings is awful. Bring back Aaron Rodgers. Snooze fest. I like that Ken Jennings was a good sport about the criticism he gets. What what a shock. Anybody in a position of prominence getting criticized by random voices on Twitter, now known as X. And, Peter, I think you and I would both share the view 
that the minute that that platform dies, we will both be very happy. That's not on the rundown today. That's just my editorial <laughs> aside, and I have a feeling you agree with it. Uh, deliriously so. Um, the current version <laughs> of that platform is about one twentieth as good as the old edition. And all I know is that I tweet out my column every week, and that's really about it. I've I've kind of had it with it. Yeah, look, we have a presence. We have a big presence. I'm not going to just abandon it, but I will shed not a single tear the moment that platform inevitably dies and it feels like it's on that path right now. The relationship between the Raiders and Devontae Adams on a similar path. Here is the guy for whom the Raiders gave up some draft pick compensation, and a lot of money to acquire him in trade with the Packers last year on his frustration with his current lack of targets in the passing game. Have a listen. I mean, it's a work in progress. Obviously, we're going to continue to work through it. But, I mean, I'm a human being, and I have extremely high standards for myself and this offense. So, it's to me, it's not just about, you know, I'm sure people thinking, like, you know, well, they won the game, they won the Packers game. You know, why is there an issue? I mean, you see why it's an issue. You you know, y'all should know who I am, know what I'm about at this point. So it's not about, you know, when when you're a, when you're a player like me mentally, is the my benchmark is not wins and losses, is greatness. So when I go out there, I expect to be able to have that ability to put that on tape and have the uh, an influence on the game. And that's like I say every week. That's the, my purpose for being here. I'm not here just to hang out and you know, like I said, come here to hang out with Derek and all of that stuff from last year. Came here to win and to, to do it the right way. So if, I mean, if it don't look like it's supposed to look, then, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be frustrated if I'm not a part of that, that plan. If, if Jacoby goes out and have a, a monster game or if the offense is scoring every five plays like, the, you know, our first drive on the Bills, then it is what it is. I don't, you know, I don't, it's not about me, but, you know, I'm one of the bigger pieces, you know, as to why this offense is going to go. It's... It's not an uncommon dynamic. And here's a tweet from Tashawn Reed putting the Adams quote into context. He values winning above all else, knows the Raiders can't win at the level he wants to win without the offense being significantly better. For the offense to be better, he needs to get the ball more. It's that simple. That's what every receiver thinks. Every receiver on a team that isn't winning thinks we would win if you would just give me the ball more. Everything would be better if you just give me the ball more. And the whole idea of selfishness and selflessness get conflated into one thing. I'm not being selfish. I just believe if you give me the ball more, our team will do better. And this is a guy, and I love Devontae Adams, great receiver. He said in the offseason, he went to the Raiders in part to prove that he could thrive statistically without Aaron Rodgers. That it wasn't just Rodgers, that it was him. Receivers are hyper-aware of how often they get the ball. They want the stats. That's how they justify their existence on the team. That's their identity. And they make themselves believe. And in this case, I think he's right. The Raiders are better off using him, scheming for him, getting him the ball. But there's a fine line between I just want to help the team and I just want to help myself. Fine line. You know, when I first, I I think sometimes when you read a quote, you read it and you say, Devontae Adams is being selfish. When you listen to Devontae Adams, you understand, and I fall down on the, or I fall on the side of exactly what 
to Sean Reed tweeted, which is essentially that he knows that he needs to be more the focus of the offense consistently for them to have a real good chance to be better on offense, no matter who the quarterback is. So, Mike, what I did was I went through his last three years uh, when he was in Green Bay and then last year when he was in Las Vegas. And I've got a totally bizarre statistic to tell you. In his last three years in Green Bay, he averaged 10.6, 10.6, and 10.6 targets a game playing for Aaron Rodgers. Last year with Derek Carr and later with Jarrett Stidham, he averaged 10.6 targets a game again. And this year, he's averaging 9.8 targets a game, which is, I'm not saying that it's, it's, it's the same, but it's basically the same. It's less than one target per game less. And, and look, they're going through a lot of problems on offense at quarterback right now. So I don't know that it's anybody's fault per se, but I can see why a guy like Devontae Adams would be frustrated knowing that, uh, you know, that he feels especially with new quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, journeyman quarterbacks, that he, it would, the offense would be a lot better if they found ways to get the ball in his hands more. So I don't love what he said, but I understand why he said it. Well, and it goes back to some of the things he said in the offseason in an interview about being on the same page with the organization. He got the impression he wasn't thrilled with Jimmy Garoppolo becoming the new starting quarterback. And one of the reasons people would have hesitations is Garoppolo has a long history of not staying healthy. And here we are. Six games in, he's had a concussion, he's got the back injury, he's not going to be playing on Sunday when it's Aiden O'Connell against Tyson Bajant, a couple of rookies at Soldier Field in Chicago. When we return, show me something time for week seven. We'll be back with that right after this. All right, here we go. It is a ritual every Friday in season. Show me something, anything. For the coming football Sunday, Peter, you're up. Show me something, Tyler Bajant. And I realize that nobody cares really about the Raiders and the Bears. And nobody thinks that Tyler Bajant is the answer. But I mean, I would say of all of the roster decisions made in September of this year by, by teams, naming a quarterback who played at Shepherd? Is it Shepherd University or Shepherd College? As the University primary backup, Shepherd University as the primary backup uh, to a guy who has been beat up, whatever you'd call him, injury prone. I don't know whatever the the, the right adjective is, but Justin Fields is not Lou Gehrig. And so I look at this and I say, my God, Ryan Poles, you know, I better, I better see something this week from Tyler Bajan. I sure didn't see it uh, in his debut. So show me something, Tyler Bajan, that the faith that Ryan Poles and the coaching staff put in you is justified. I have a text message here fresh across the digital wire from the Chicago Bears 
show me something, Peter King. Show me that you know the name of Tyler Bajant is actually Tyson Bajant. So, uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. That just Tyson shows you how Bajan. obscure the guy yeah, I is. I blew that one. Tyson Bajant. Yeah. That's all right. Four times, yeah, but that's sorry okay. About that. We sorry, don't know Tyson. him yet. We don't. We don't know him yet. We may know him better come Sunday. And and had a chance to to beat the Vikings on Sunday. I thought at one point Tyson Bajant and the Bears were going to actually pull it off, which would have given the Bears a different vibe moving forward. All right, show me something. Justin Herbert got the big contract. And look, I just want to see the guy that we saw in that last game of the regular season, that epic with the Raiders and the Chargers, where if they would have tied, they both would have made the playoffs, and he was converting all those fourth downs, and he just was possessed, and he was incredible, and I want to see that guy on a regular basis. I don't know where that guy is. And I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know what it is. But I still have visions of that Monday night wide open, Keenan Allen, wide open. You know, the NFL is all about you got to throw it through the window and the windows are tight. You got a guy wide open for a huge gain and you throw it over his head. This guy is being paid a crap load of money. He should be held to a higher standard. We blame everybody around him. I want to see yes. him step up and become the franchise quarterback, Peter, that we just assume he is with no recent evidence to support that conclusion, all due respect to Justin Herbert. Show me something Jalen Hurts. Last year, exploded onto the scene, drove the Philadelphia Eagles to the Super Bowl, Easily could have won the Super Bowl with one of the great quarterback performances ever in a Super Bowl game. And last year, plus 16 touchdown to interception margin. Uh, great quarterback rating. Well, this year, 7-7 seven to seven touchdown to interception margin. And a quarterback rating 17 points lower than he had last year. It's time, Jalen Hurts. It's time to show that you are better than you've shown in the first six weeks of this season. The Philadelphia Eagles need you. Show me something, Jalen Hurts. And I got his first name correct, by the way, Mike. <laughs> show me something, Gardner Minshew the second. This is your time. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. Anthony Richardson will miss the rest of the season. You're under contract for just one year. You want to be a starting quarterback like you were for a couple of seasons in Jacksonville? Take the bull by the horns and make it happen. Here's the only problem. First up, after a game that didn't go too well against the Jaguars last week, here come the Browns with a historically dominant defense. 1,002 yards allowed through five games, the lowest total since the Colts in 1971. If Minshew is going to become the guy that at times, I look at him and say he could be. He needs to get it started with a win over a very, very good Browns defense. At a minimum, move the ball well enough to make the Colts believe they can remain contenders with Minshew and somebody else maybe gives Minshew an opportunity to be a starter next year. Round three when PFT Live concludes right after this. All right, one more round to go. Show me something. Week seven, Peter, who you got? Show me something, Desmond Ritter. Um, you know, I should say to Desmond Ritter, 
the Atlanta Falcons quarterback, that going into this game Sunday against Tampa, uh, Taylor Heineke is warming up in the bullpen. He's ready. And the manager is on the top step. I believe I've used that cliche before, but it's never truer than this particular week with Desmond Ritter. Ten games so far started in the NFL, four of those ten without a touchdown pass with one of the best group of skill players in the NFL. Show me something and hurry it up, Desmond Ritter. Show me something, Jordan Love. The Packers have had extra time to get ready for their upcoming game at the Denver Broncos, a team with not a very good defense. Jordan Love and the Packers offense has not been starting nearly fast enough to win games. They have moments. They often come far too late to matter. The Packers need Jordan Love to fulfill the potential that they saw in him when they turned everything upside down back in 2020 by making him a first-round pick. Now is the time. Extra time to get ready. Bad defense. Peter, the Packers have to go to Denver and win this game or their season may be down the toilet. It's a bad, bad week to have a show-me-something for for him, Mike. It's too big a week. All right, that's it. That's it for today. Enjoy the games.